Hello everyone and thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. Now in a few others that I've recorded looking at the work of Darwin and Wallace I do present uh, different aspects of research that provide evidence for evolution but in this particular podcast I want to focus on the pentadactyl limb. I want to explain what it ultimately is and why it provides evidence for evolution. So scientists use the concept of homology to identify evolutionary relationships among organisms. Homologies are basically characters that are shared between different species that were also present in a common ancestor. Homologies can be structural, they can be biochemical, developmental, physiological and also behavioural. So what I want to do ultimately in this podcast is focus on homologous structures and in particular the pentadactyl limb and ultimately assess whether this really is good evidence for the process of evolution. So before we begin we need to talk about the arrangement of the bones in the forelimb of all mammals because it's actually when you study it really quite similar. There's one upper limb bone, so the humerus, There's two lower limb bones, so the radius and the ulna, several wrist bones that we call the carpals, and bones that make up the digits, the metacarpals and the phalanges. Now that collectively is known as the pentadactyl limb. This bone arrangement has been modified though through evolution to fulfil different roles in different mammals living in different habitats. So let's talk about a few different mammals and then talk about the pentadactyl limb adaptations that we see. Well, in mammals, such as humans, we see the finger bones. So, for example, the opposable thumb, adapted for manipulating objects and for grasping. In the monkey, there's elongated forelimbs, allowing for grasping and swinging. For the bat, we see that it forms a wing, with the first digit becoming a hook to hang from, and the other four digits that are greatly elongated. The armadillo, just for another example, has a bony process on its ulna that provides a large surface area for muscle attachment and greater length for leverage and force to enable the armadillo to dig. And flanges form a a claw, if you like, also for digging. Porpoise has forelimbs that are flippers for steering and maintaining equilibrium when it's swimming. And just we'll pick one more, the horse. Metacarpals and metatarsals are fused together, giving elongated distal bones, providing a large surface area for big muscles that enable fast running. So you can see this uh, bony arrangement, this pentadactyl limb, varies in amongst all of these different mammals. The forelimbs of all of the animals that I've just named are constructed of the same bones, even though they have quite different functions. In fact, all modern tetrapods possess this five-digit pentadactyl limb at some stage in their development. And the significance of this was understood by Darwin. And I quote, What could be more curious than the hand of man formed for grasping, that of a mole for digging, the leg of a horse, the paddle of a porpoise and the wing of a bat should all be constructed on the same pattern and should include similar bones? 
and in the same relative positions. So I didn't really just pick some random animals. I did, I did know that I was going to give that uh, Darwin quote for you all. And so the pentadactyl limb is strong evidence that all modern tetrapods descended from a common ancestor. Evolution works by accidental, as you can say, alterations to pre-existing structures. In terms of the pentadactyl limb, this has involved certain bones being enlarged, made smaller, or, as in the case of the birdwing, being lost altogether. So let's talk about specific examples. Let's talk about how you can go from a velociraptor, let's say, to a rock dove. So velociraptors were small predatory dinosaurs. They had little flapping wings, but they couldn't fly. They evolved into birds, but birds with limited flying ability. And then they evolved into the modern birds that we see, such as the rock dove, uh, whose genus is Columba. So let's consider the hand and wrist structure of Velociraptor and the Columba. So the modern bird and the dinosaur. Well, there's three fingers in both. There's hollow bones in both. A half moon shaped wrist bone in both that allows for flapping. Digit two is the longest in both. And what we see is slightly greater bone fusion in the Columba. So we can see this kind of common commonality, if you like, between the two. A question sometimes that I get from students when we talk about natural selection and evolution and just general changes in allelic frequency for different things. Uh, the question normally is, Bird, it's about bird wings. Is the bird wing the same as a bat wing? And the actual answer is no. And I'll explain why. Bird wings consist of feathers essentially extending from, well, I'll say from, all along the forelimb and arm, if you like. Now, in contrast, bat wings consist of flaps of skin that are stretched between the bones of the fingers and the arm. These structural differences suggest that bird wings and bat wings were not inherited from a common ancestor with wings. So with wings, these structures are not homologous, but are analogous. They have separate evolutionary ancestors, but are superficially similar because they evolved for the same function. But as forelimbs, they are homologous. Birds and bats didn't inherit wings from a common winged ancestor, but they did uh, inherit forelimbs from a common ancestor with forelimbs. So I go back to the title of this podcast, The Pentadactyl Limb, Evidence for Evolution. Well, we really do think this is good scientific evidence for evolution, but if you are interested in learning a little bit more, a little bit more background to the story, or more just in general about Darwin's work, and when I mentioned about allele frequencies, how they actually change, then I'd recommend listening to, on the Kytospology channel, other podcasts that I've recorded about natural selection and evolution. As always, if you have any questions, get in touch at kytospology@gmail.com. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, uh, Curriculum Press, for providing content for me to use for this particular podcast. If you visit uh, curriculum-press.co.uk, you can download some fantastic student and teacher resources that you can use in and out of the classroom. Okay, thank you everyone for listening.